Good morning. Hello. We welcome you to the services of the Boonville Church of Christ. I know we have a lot of visitors here. We have most of, most of um, our family here visiting with us over this holiday season. It's been a great Thanksgiving weekend. What better way to finish a Thanksgiving weekend than worshiping God together? In our services today, Brother Jonathan Timms is visiting with us and will be leading our singing. Brother Guy Gardner has the prayer. Brother Carter Sweeney will have the scripture reading. Brother Ken Forrest will bring us the message today. Brother Luther Mormon will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And Brother Todd Sweeney will have announcements and our closing prayer. Many of you know that the Bonhams are going to be going to New York for Sister Bonham's surgery. Um, we're so thankful that you were so liberal in, in your contributions to help them with their expenses there. If you were planning on doing that and you haven't given that money yet, uh, Brother Billy Martin uh, is available. You can give the checks to them. We have also been asked to pray for Austin Wentz. He is the grandson of John and Willa Gardner. He is having problems relating, related to his lungs. He is in Le Bonner and is being transferred to uh, St. Jude today. Would you bow with me as we begin? Also, we're so thankful that so many are joining us on social media and we welcome you to our services as well. Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the blessings that you continually bestow upon us. We're thankful, Father, that we can approach you and throne on behalf of those with special needs. We pray that you would be with the Bonhams as Sandy goes for uh, continued treatment. We pray that that would be totally successful. And we pray your special care to be with Austin Wentz and his treatment in Memphis. We now ask that you be with us as we worship you today. We pray that all that we do would be pleasing in your sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's always good when you can return home and worship with fellow brothers and sisters. If you're able and you want to, go ahead and stand up with me as we sing this first song together. Mm -hmm. There is beyond the azure blue a God concealed from human sight. He tinted skies with heavenly hue and framed the worlds with His great might. There is a God he is alive, in Him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man, He is our God, the great I Am. There was a long, long time ago, a God whose voice the prophets heard 
He is the God that we should know, who speaks from His inspired Word. There is a God, He is alive, in Him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man, He is our God, the great I am. Secure is life from mortal mind. God holds the germ within his hand. Though men may search, they cannot find. For God alone does understand. There is a God. He is alive, in Him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man, He is our God, the great I Am. Our God, whose Son upon a tree, a life was willing there to give that he from sin might set man free and nevermore with him could live. There is a God, in him we live and we survive. From dust our God created man, He is our God, the great I Am. Be seated please, amen. Anybody else worn out from that song? Me too. We'll sing this before we go to God in prayer again this morning. Father, hear the prayer we offer, nor for ease that prayer shall be, but for strength that we may ever live our lives courageously. Not forever by still waters would we idly quiet stay, but would smite the living fountains from the rocks along our way. Be our strength in hours of weakness, in our wanderings be our guide. Through endeavor, failure, danger, Father, be Thou at our side. Let our path be bright or dreary, storm or sunshine be our share. May our souls in hope unweary make thy work our ceaseless prayer.
Bow with me. Most beautiful, loving, and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful morning you've blessed us with. The blue sky, the sunshine, the leaves have fallen, the changing of the season, the cool air. God, we know that you created all and you are all powerful. And we're here this morning to worship you. God, this morning we want to lift up Sandy Bonham and the doctors that will work with her. God, just please be with her. We want to lift up the child mentioned, Austin Wentz. Please be with his parents and doctors and grandparents and everyone involved in that situation. Please help that young child. God, we want to ask you to please be with us this morning. Be Be with Brother Ken as he provides us a lesson from your word. God, we ask that you please go with us this week as we go out into the world. God, we pray that we not be overcome by evil, but we overcome evil with good. We know that everything we have comes from you, and our hearts are grateful, and we love you, and we thank you for it. And God, this morning we ask you to please forgive us for where we failed you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Kind of hard to mark a song that's on the screen only, but we'll sing uh, Just As I Am, I Come Broken as a song of encouragement this this morning. Uh, Before Brother Ken comes and speaks to us, we'll sing Salvation Has Been Brought Down. If you want to stand, go ahead. Uh, I don't know if y'all usually stand before the lesson or not, but if you want to, go ahead and join me. If not, do your thing. Jesus gave his life for ransom yonder on Calvary, on Mount Calvary, cruel Calvary, paved the way by blood that we might win a bright shining crown. Praise his holy name, salvation has been brought down. Praise the Lord, salvation has been brought down. Go and shout and tell it the world around. Tell it today, tell it today. Preach the word of God that we might win a crown. Tell the lost, salvation is full and free. Spread the news all over the land and sea. Tell it afar. Tell it afar. Praise the Lord. Salvation has been brought down. There's a blessed home prepared way over in glory land. In bright glory land. Blessed glory land. I have trusted in His blood and now I am heaven bound. Praise His holy name. Oh glory, praise the Lord. Salvation has been brought down. Go and shout and tell it the world around. Tell it today. Tell it today. Preach the word of God that we might win a crown. Tell the lost, salvation is full and free. Spread the news all over the land and sea. Tell it afar. Tell it afar. 
Praise the Lord, salvation has been brought down. Amen. Be seated, please. I'll be reading this morning from Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Thank you so much for your participation this morning in our worship and we do have a lot of visitors today, and we are grateful for your presence. We also know that a lot of our members are out visiting other places, and we look forward to their return. I know you've got all kinds of people that are special to you, and I hope I get to meet them and you introduce them, and I'll be so thrilled that they're here for you. But I've got some people here too. I think this is the first time that my son Troy and his wife Whitney are here. And I didn't want to make the same mistake I made last time. Last time I just introduced little Millie. But there are the two parents, and with them is our precious newest granddaughter, Avery. And I really want you to meet them. She's just so cute as can be. Oh, my, my. But I don't want to debate you about it. I will think what I want to think. But when you see her, you know. Additionally, we have Kyle and Casey at home. Uh, Millie's a little bit under the weather, but they were able to come for Thanksgiving anyway, so we're full and grateful to see them. But I just want to make sure you see them, okay? also want to invite you to come and be with us next Sunday, December the 5th, from 2 to 4 p.m., now, you may float during that time, okay? But we want you to come over to our house and spend some time with us. We have some things for you and just want to just share the blessing of our home with you and let you know how much we love and appreciate you. So please make plans to come and be there sometime between 2 and 4. Ken, are you crazy? You want to invite this whole church to come to your house? I don't know if I'm crazy or not. I'm hoping that you'll space it out. And, but you know what? If y'all all come at the same time, we have a good-sized yard, and you can stand out there like a bunch of chickens and peck on the grass if you want to. But we do want you to come and be a part of that. And isn't it great to have Jonathan here? He is ours. I say ours. I've been, they still call me the new preacher. I've been here uh, over a year now, but uh, it's great to have Jonathan here and his family, and I know Jimmy's excited about their presence, and so many others. Again, thank you for being here and being a part of our worship today. We're going to look at this particular text of Scripture, one verse, but of course it has so much in it, and it's reflecting upon the event that's described in the whole of Acts chapter 2, in fact, it's the summation statement of all that had occurred. So I'm hoping that today we will be able to dwell specifically on the matter, not just of those who were being saved, but 
what that means for us today. Not just the were of it. What about those who are being saved? Well, that would bear directly upon us. Before we start that, let's pray to God together. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for this first day of the week, that we can be assembled here to participate in this time of worship. We pray, Father, that all that we're doing is pleasing to you. And help us the very best that we can to worship in spirit and in truth, focusing our hearts, our minds, our our very intentions upon glorifying and lifting you up. We pray, Father, that in this particular part of our worship, while all of us as one heart and one mind are examining your scriptures, I pray that that message of your word will find its place on our hearts and it will reside there. If we examine ourselves and we see that we're lacking in some respect, pray that you will press our hearts so that we will take action. We just want to please you. So create in us a clean heart, O God. And Father, I pray that You'll help me to communicate it in a simple and very understandable way as you intended for it to be. And then I pray for our hearers that even if I'm faulty, that they can transcend that and that your word will find its place anyway. Thank you for all that you will accomplish with your word in our time of meditation and worship through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And then this, it says that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Again, I tell you, it's a summation statement reflecting on all that had happened, the gospel being preached by the power of the Holy Spirit for the very first time. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we find out that prior to the declaration of the gospel on that day, that the Holy Spirit had filled those apostles, and they were speaking with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. I love that phrase. As the Spirit gave them utterance. They were speaking as the Holy Spirit was motivating and providing the means by which they could communicate. And out from that message, from the lips of those inspired apostles, came the declaration of Jesus Christ as Lord and Christ, as the Savior of all men. And then a powerful response. So much so that the concluding statement, right? The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Salvation. Salvation is our escape from the consequences of sin. Now, sin is something that is governing our lives. But sin is governing our lives on the basis of our desires rather than on the basis of truth. 
So in the declaration of the gospel that is recorded in Acts chapter 2, truth is rooting out desires of men. In fact, ultimately, desire led to the death of Jesus. The desire of those who were in sin to silence, effectively to silence God with regard to the darkness, the sin that man was involved in. So today, I want us to think as deeply as we can, not just about what had happened there. Sure, that's a great pattern for us, those who were being saved, but I want us to think today about ourselves, our own circumstance, how it is that we are being saved. I don't know. Think about salvation itself and maybe... Maybe we have some question marks. I'm hoping to answer some of those questions that we might pose when we think about our own relationship with God. And I'll tell you initially that as far as God is concerned, we are people who have worth. So we are worth saving. I know that it is often, I don't know, popular to talk about our salvation from God's perspective and what he offers in Jesus and his death, the shedding of his blood to wash our sins away, we often talk about how undeserving we are of that benefit. But for a minute, let's let's take it away from our own perspective of how unworthy we are, and let's look at it from God's perspective. What actually motivates him? And I will tell you that from God's perspective, however you feel about yourself, God looks at you and he says, that that person right there, that person is worthy of being saved. Worthy maybe because the Bible describes us as the offspring of God. Acts chapter 17, verse 29. Or, Or if you want to go back to the very beginning with God's intention related to the creation of man, In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, you see that man is made according to the image of God, after his likeness, and he's given dominion. That word dominion is well nigh to the idea of being a king, of ruling over or reigning over the creation, and he doesn't leave anything out. I've created them to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the face of the earth. God had incredible plans for you and me, sure. He looks at us as his offspring when he looks at us as those he had placed dominion with. Wow. But you know the story, that sin thing putting too much value or stake in our desires as opposed to truth. In that case, truth was, you eat of this fruit, you will die. And they certainly did die, spiritually separated from God and pushed out of the garden. But their desire, you know, just taste. Take a bite of that fruit. Lied to, sure, but deceived. And as a result of that, all those, all those hopes and dreams that are vested in men, well, effectively put on hold until statements like Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. 
For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. Indeed, we suffer with Him that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What a transition, right? Separated from God because of sin, having chosen our desires as opposed to the truth, but now rectifying the situation through Jesus, being led by the Spirit of God and transformed into, not outcasts, not unworthy, but adopted sons and daughters of God. Isn't that a beautiful switch? Yeah, worthy in terms of being God's offspring. And certainly with great emphasis and importance, spiritual offspring of God. But that's the glamorous aspect. Fact is that God thought we were worthy even in our sin. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 6, says that when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, seeing us worthy even in our sin, maybe that's a shocker. Not that we were good or righteous or somehow made ourselves worthy. It's just the value that God sees in us as his offspring, potential sons and daughters of his, spiritually. And then also, there is a sense of worthiness just connected with the soul of every person here. In fact, not just here, confined in this building, but every soul that exists on the planet and has ever existed and ever will exist. Every soul is of greater value in the eyes of God, and I would suggest to the individual, ultimately it will also be true, of greater value than, than all the world. Matthew 16, verse 26, What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Okay, let's get real here for a minute. No, no matter how hard you ever try, you will never be able to gain the whole world. I mean, there, there are so many categories of things we might aspire to. Even if your focus is money, well, you know, you will never have all the money in the world. Or maybe it's not money. Maybe it's, you know, you're, you're desirous of, of athletic skill and ability. Listen, you, you may go to the Olympics. And we'll cheer you on, but I'm just telling you, even if you win a gold medal, you'll not be the greatest athlete that ever lived, and you won't be able to sustain that. If you gain the greatest intellect, I'm telling you, you can amaze us with your mind, but you will never know everything. It is, it is just technically impossible for you to gain the whole world in every category. Just technically impossible. But, okay, you know what? Just for the sake of fun, let's say that you could. Let's say that you could, you could own everything that exists. 
Let's say that you could have the greatest physical capacity of anybody that's ever lived. You would own it all in terms of physicality and records. Let's say that you have the greatest intellect and it was said of you, that guy, he knows everything that there is to know. Let's just say that's possible. This text tells us that even if that were possible, it would not compare with the value of your soul. So I'm wondering why it is that a person would risk so much in terms of his soul. Why would a person risk so much in order to receive so very little? You and I, we were created with a mind toward eternity. And so as we are living right now in this mortal shell, we are making our plans for an eternal life. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way which leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Listen, just in terms of the value of your soul, in terms of God's desire for you and of your ultimate outcome as a spiritual child of His, adopted through association with the Spirit, obedience to the truth, just by virtue of the fact that we're the offspring of God, understand that God sees great value and worth in you. He wants you to be saved. But the fact is that in terms of our salvation, (laughs) there's an awful lot of that that is our own responsibility. We don't just sit around and wait for something to happen. That is not biblically true at all. People did sit around and wait for what was to happen. And when Jesus finally came, the whole world was in darkness, if that will tell you anything about the situation. In John chapter 1, that situation is described. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness... That's the darkness of the world. And it comprehended it not. Light shining in darkness, don't see it. Why? Because they're they're so engulfed in dark, been in darkness so long they can't even perceive light. And so God, instead instead of just going through people like the prophets before who had been rejected, God chooses to send His own Son. But not just a message from the Son, He sends the Son Himself. God in the flesh. In verse 14, John says, We beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, we handled Him. We experienced Him. We saw the light. So you and I are responsible. We have to act. You could say, well, Ken, yeah, I I get that. And, you know, I I know, for instance, that our salvation is dependent upon uh, grace through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You don't, by your good works, make God your debtor. However, there is a mechanism that's put in place. And someone says, yeah, I get that. I see it right there in the text. For by grace you have been saved. But the text doesn't stop there. There's a popular assertion that we're just saved by grace only, but that's not what this text says. This text says, yeah, we are saved by grace, but it is through or through the mechanism, through the means of faith. There's also a popular assertion that you're just saved by your faith. But that's not what this text says either. In fact, there are several texts that teach against that very notion. One of which would be James chapter 2 and verse 24. You see then that you're saved by works and not by faith only. It's not faith only, but let's put that thing together. He says that you are saved by grace through faith. Grace is God's mechanism for saving us. And as we'll see, that is through Jesus Christ. But the other side of that is our response to the grace of God, which he quantifies here in this text as being a matter of faith. And then as faith becomes the means through which God's grace is activated and we then are saved, he says, then you've become the workmanship of God. You've been created for good works. And verse 10. Okay, so yeah, it is grace through faith, but what I'm getting now is that grace is a teacher that will result in the development of my faith, my part in this equation. And that's exactly what Paul tells Titus in Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. To me, that's kind of the full circle picture. Yeah, I'm lost because of my desire for the world. My desire fulfilled in the world. That's, that's the sin situation. I want to be saved. I want to have salvation. So I want to escape that. And as I'm escaping it, I'm being led to God. And God is revealing to me that I've got to leave this worldliness, this unrighteousness, and I've got to aspire to His truth. I've got to act on that. Okay, so grace is going to teach me something. And I'm going to be obedient in turn to that grace. So what Jesus is going to do is Jesus is going to save me when I do what is that popular song we sometimes sing, when, when we trust and obey Him. Jesus says in John chapter 8, in verse 24, if, if you do not believe that I'm he, you will die in your sins. I'm believing, then I'm trusting. Okay, well that makes sense because he's the author of that. Remember that bit about him coming and living among us? As the grace of God, he did teach us some things. 
And in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation for everyone who obeys him. Obey Jesus? Yeah. John 12, verse 48. He who rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The words which I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. Okay, so I'm, I'm responsible. I'm responsible to act on what I know to do. I'm responsible to Jesus, God's physical manifestation of His grace to teach us the way to go. But then that brings us back to the text that we're in. I saw how they were being saved. How, how am I being saved? How are we being saved? Well, in verse 41, the text tells us that they, those who received His Word gladly received it. Those who gladly received His Word, the text says, were baptized. Okay, those who gladly received his word. Now, remember the way we started this, the word that he had received was from the Holy Spirit. So this is directly from God, the message of God. Long description of the prophets pointing to Jesus, and now Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Verse 36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him Lord and Christ. So they gladly received His Word. The Word that they had gladly received was, you have crucified the Son of God, but, but, as guilty as you are, there is hope. Because the response to the knowledge of their having crucified their Lord and Christ was that they were cut to the heart. <laughs> they wanted to know, minute, brother, what shall we do? So they gladly received the Word. First, I would just suggest, if I want to be saved, if I'm, if I'm in the process of being saved, I have to gladly receive the Word of God. Not just some well-intentioned message of a man, maybe who doesn't want to hurt my feelings, wants me to maybe hang on to my desires a little bit and, and maybe just sprinkle it with a little truth. Not that. What does God want me to do? So if I want to be saved, I have to have the disposition that I'm going to gladly receive the message of God. But he didn't stop there. In verse 41, he says that those who gladly received his word were baptized. Okay, so they gladly received the word. They heard the message. They say, yes, even though we have crucified the Son of God, there is hope for us. And then in response, they were baptized. But wait a minute, why were they baptized? Well, if you, you go back a few verses... You'll see in verse 38 that in response to the question of what they needed to do to be saved, Peter and the other apostles, they say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Okay, so 
We've gladly received the word and they were baptized. Why were they baptized? Acts 2.38 says that they were baptized for the remission of their sins. Wait a minute. That's what I wanted to know to begin with. I want to be saved. How am I saved? Well, I'm lost initially because of sin. So how can I get that sin out of my life? Since I'm governed by my desires while I'm in sin and I want to turn to the truth, that means I've got to let go of those desires, that sinful lust, and cling to the truth. What is the truth? Repent and be baptized. Why do I want to do that? Well, you know, repentance is a change of heart and mind. It is turning from what you're doing sinfully and heading clear the other direction. It's a 180 degree turn. You turn and then you act in the other direction. Remember our grace description from Titus chapter 2? We're changing the way we do. We're aspiring to righteousness. And then, having made that change, he says we are baptized. And baptism, of course, as we have studied it, is the washing away of our sins in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Verse 7 says that he who has died has been freed from sin. So when we're buried in this water, we're going through the burial with Jesus. We leave the old man of sin behind. When we rise up, we rise up in newness of life. We have our sins forgiven. So in review, if, I, if my desire is to be saved, if I'm the one being saved, then that means that I'm going to gladly receive the message I'm going to be like, yes, okay, what you require, Lord, I'm responsible to, and I'm going to act. I want the grace of God in my life through the shed blood of Jesus. I want that blood to wash my sins away. So I'm going to, through faith, obey. I'm going to act on what I know I should do. I must do. So I'm going to gladly receive that message, and I'm going to be Baptized. I'm going to have repented of my sins and I'm going to have washed my sins away in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be resurrected to new life. But he doesn't stop there. The very next verse, he tells us something else. He says, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. So what we have started is not the end of the road. It's really the beginning of our walk with him. A walk that we continue steadfastly. So if I'm wanting salvation, I'm going to gladly receive it. I'm going to be baptized. And I'm going to continue steadfastly in it. It's because of God's grace, His mercy, His love for us, that we even have any opportunity of salvation. It seems impossible that a person knowing God's expectation of us would turn their back on the provision that He's made for our salvation. If you're a child of God, when, when you read this text, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, when you see that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved, you know that that applies to you. Yeah, they were, but I am. You know, I have been added to the church because I obeyed the gospel. I took hold of the grace of God through faith. I had my sins washed away. The Lord added me to that church. Maybe you're in the process of it right now. Maybe you've come to the place where you believe Jesus is Lord and Christ, but 
you're striving to repent. Maybe you've come to the place today. You've counted your blessings this week. And now you're ready to take on Jesus. Have your sins washed away? Have you passed, removed, put the old man away? Have a new life, a fresh start. You can have that with Jesus today when you're buried with him in baptism, washing those sins away, gladly receiving the word, repenting and being baptized. And then the encouragement for all of us, if we are children of God today, to be steadfast in that. Maybe there are some things lacking, and as we prayed, if the word's fallen on your heart and has convicted you, then you need to act on that. Have the courage to do what you know you should do. And don't hold back from your commitment to the Lord. Is there anybody who needs to respond today? Now's your opportunity. Why don't you come up if you need to while we stand together and sing. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to
taking of communion this morning, we'll sing Highly Exalted. You were despised, you were rejected, Lord, those who passed by even averted their gaze from the sight. Such was the suffering you bore for 
Led like a lamb, a lamb to the slaughter, you spoke not a word, but chose to be silent, though you did no wrong, nor was deceitfulness found in you. Yet by your wounds our salvation has come, yet by your suffering our freedom is won. For God has highly exalted your name, he has enthroned you on high, Jesus the name above all names. God has highly exalted your name, he has enthroned you on high, Jesus the name above all names. You were despised, did Lord those who passed by, even averted their gaze from the sight. Such was the suffering you bore for us. Led like a lamb, a lamb to the slaughter, you spoke not a word, but chose to be silent, though you did no wrong, nor was deceitfulness found in you. Yet by your wounds our salvation has come, Yet by your suffering our freedom is won. For God has highly exalted your name. He has enthroned you on high. Jesus, the name above all names. God has highly exalted your name. He has enthroned you on high. Jesus, the name above all names. You were despised, rejected, Lord, those who passed by, even averted their gaze from the sight. Such was the suffering you bore for us. We've come to the part of our Lord's Supper this morning. Uh, if you haven't got your communion package, just raise your hand and our ushers will be glad to bring you one by. Our Lord instituted the Lord's Supper with apostles and we find in Act 27 where the early church was assembling this were part of their uh, service that day and uh, remember the Lord's death and suffering and resurrection. Let's give the thanks after the take of the bread. Uh, Father in heaven, we give thee our thanks for this Lord's day and for the blessing to live in a land where we can assemble and worship thee. We're thankful so much for this bread that, that represents Jesus, our Savior, 
how he suffered on the cross. We pray, Father, we take our minds back and in remembrance of this event. In Christ's name, amen. Let's also offer thanks for the cup. Our Father in heaven, we give that thank for this cup, which does represent the blood that Christ shed on our cross. And we pray, Father, we examine ourselves and protect us in a way and be acceptable unto thee. In Christ's name, amen. I conclude the Lord's Supper. We also find examples in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 that holding the lay by and store upon the first day of the week. We now have our opportunity to do that. Let's give God thanks for all our blessings. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for all the material blessings I blessed us with and that whole overflowed our lives, Father. We Thank you for this opportunity to give back a portion of that to thee, and we pray that what is given today will be used to further that call to him upon this earth. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. I know that <clears throat> I know that we have several visiting with us this morning. We're so glad that you've taken the time to spend it with us this morning. We invite you to come back to any opportunity you have. Uh, as you probably noticed, we did not have a bulletin, or at least I couldn't find one this morning, so we're a little short on the announcements. Uh, we have 282 here this morning. I have just a few announcements. Uh, Brother Merrill asked me to remind the Golden Circle uh, you'll be eating at Miss Magnolia in the morning. That bus will be leaving at 8.15 if you want to be a part of that trip. Also, we have a card. It says, thank you for the cards, calls, and texts during the recent passing of my grandmother, Ola Wade. It meant a lot to, to us all, Tom, Wade, and family. That's all the announcements I have. If you'll bow with me, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we... Thank you once again for the opportunity we've had to come and worship you in song and praise. Heavenly Father, we ask that you be with each and every one of us as we go into the upcoming week that we all may live and work and play in a manner that would be pleasing unto thee. Father, we have several of our number here that are sick, that are expecting upcoming surgeries. Father, we ask that you comfort them as only you can. Father, we thank you so much for Jason Hall this morning coming confessing his wrongdoings to you and to turning his life back over to you. Father, we ask that we do our part is to encourage him to continue to live his life for you. Father, we thank you for the leaders of this church, and we ask you to continue to lay your hands on them and bless them that they may lead us in the direction and the path that would be pleasing unto thee. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have an opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through his precious name we pray. Amen.